The Voices of Search podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything podcast network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Bridge Toll, California, customer service number. Highway miles to the gallon, Ford Focus. Thailand Cave Rescue Operation. What is Schema F? Best wine bars in San Carlos, California. Best Western hotels. How old is Ronaldo? What happened with Big Brother? What's a good engagement? How long before a wedding should I send out save the dates? Use IMAP to check email on other email clients. Identify fonts from where to find the Welcome to the Voice. Voices of Search podcast. Today, we're going to talk about optimizing your content workflows. Joining us is Tommy Walker, who is the founder of The Content Studio, which is a content marketing consultancy for high-growth B2B SaaS startups and enterprises. Tommy was also the first marketing hire at Shopify Plus and the former global editor-in-chief at QuickBooks. And his company's goal is to help B2B SaaS companies build high-impact content marketing programs like the ones that he's built during his in-house employment career. And today, Tommy and I are going to talk about workflow optimization, and content automation. And this podcast is also sponsored by Ahrefs. What if I told you that you could monitor your website's SEO health, backlinks, and organic rankings at no costs? Sounds too good to be true? Well, it's not. Because my friends at Ahrefs just launched Ahrefs Webmaster Tools. Ahrefs' new Webmaster Tools product quickly helps you improve your site's visibility by pointing solutions to over 100 technical issues that might be holding your search performance down. Plus, AWT monitors for backlinks so you'll know the most linked to pages and how those links are affecting your rankings. And AWT shares what keywords your website ranks for and compares how you stack up against competitors for key metrics like search volume, keyword difficulty, and traffic value. Look, monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools. And now, thanks to Ahrefs, that's not the case anymore because AWT will help you monitor your SEO health, backlinks, and keywords for free. And no, it's not one of those 14-day free trial offers. It's a powerful site audit tool that will keep working for you for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. All right, here's the first part of my conversation with Tommy Walker, the founder of The Content Studio. Tommy, welcome to the Voices of Search podcast. Thanks so much for having me, man. Excited to have you. Excited to have some SEO and content marketing royalty on the show. You have a distinguished career working for companies that I know, like, love, and trust. And now you went on your own. What are you thinking, man? Ah, man. Well, I had no choice. I was forced into a situation... uh, uh, we had a big layoff over at Intuit. About 7% of the entire company was laid off because they're hiring engineers to bring in more AI systems for the product, which is absolutely amazing. I think it's cool. And I can say we live in the future enough that I was replaced by a robot. So I'm okay with that. I'd be pissed. No, no, it's really <laughs> cool. It's really cool. They're up to some great stuff. So I totally get it. I just mean about getting replaced by a robot. Like, move over, you bag of bolts. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. At least they weren't automating content. Like, yeah, at least they weren't doing the content AI content thing that I would be scared about. But this, 
awesome stuff that they're doing. But yeah, they laid off 7% of the entire company all of across the Intuit portfolio. So not just QuickBooks, but also TurboTax and everybody else. So I had decided at that point, it was the second time that I've ever been sort of taken away from a job. And I decided that I was going to be better going off on my own than I would be trying to pavement and try to get another full-time job, especially where it was like mid-pandemic and everybody was locked down. Everybody was firing. So My last J-O-B, I worked for a venture-backed startup here in San Francisco. Probably told this story on this podcast before. Definitely told it on my other show, the MarTech podcast a million times. But basically, I beat the company to the door. They weren't happy with my performance and uh, I wasn't happy with how the relationship was being managed. And so I decided to walk away from being the first marketing hire and, and I didn't really know what I was going to do. And I sat down, I told myself I was going to take three months off. I haven't done that since I was like 13. <laughs> the third day of my um, the staycation, I sat down to build my personal website, which somehow morphed itself into a consulting website. And the next thing you know, the next Friday, I had a consulting client and I was back to work. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me because I'm just somebody who thrives in having autonomy and authority of the work and projects that they're doing. And it sounds like you have sort of landed in the same place where you now have a budding career as an independent consulting or an agency owner. Talk to me a little bit about the work that you're doing at the content studio. Sure. So a lot of what we focus on right now is the optimization of workflows and automation. Being part of these fast-growing companies when I was at uh, I freelanced for a long time. So I'll rewind back uh, a little bit further than just the cool brands that I worked with. I freelanced for a long time and managing a giant workload with those clients. I found that I really needed to have systems in place to manage all of the different client work that I was doing uh, with the freelance writing that I was doing. And then I moved over to a website called CXL.com. I was the first editor over there. And as that site became more popular, we had a lot more guest post requests. And we had a lot more people just wanting to participate in the content itself. Move over to Shopify Plus. I was employee number 14 total and first marketing hire. And by the time I left, we would seen 1,500, 2,000 customers. And the company had grown to like 250 people in that division. Being the only marketing person with that growth, there was an increase of case study requests, product marketing requests getting it from all over the place. So there had to be systems in place to manage and mitigate all of this. And that's where really a lot of the optimization and workflow started to happen. Move over to QuickBooks, quickly became the global editor-in-chief and ran content for not just the US, but for 16 different markets and ended up having like 40 plus contributors from those markets uh, across social, SEO, a lot of your customer-facing channels. So when it came time to move out on my own, while it's easy to go, hey, I focus on content quality. And I think we'll talk about that at another time. I focus on content quality. Like content marketing consultants are a dime a dozen. But what a lot of people aren't doing is the workflow optimization and breaking down the content silos within the company. So that I found was going to be a much bigger selling point and always a backdoor into increasing content quality. Because if you're working in silos, then it's really hard to create good quality content. So Tommy, you're talking about something that is near and dear to my heart right now, which is workflow optimization and content automation. I'll break a little news here. We're going to rebrand 
my company, Ben J. Shap LLC. So it's not just a, a vanity name for me, but actually descriptive of what we're trying to do as a business into something called I Hear Everything. Don't tell anybody. And the idea of that brand is that we've built this infrastructure to take audio recordings, turn them into podcasts, then turn them into social media posts and blog posts, and then convert them into newsletters. And so we're now sort of building out this media property that we're either working with brands or licensing our infrastructure to the enterprise brands so they can create audiences like the voices of search to reach the search community or some of the other sort of tangential marketing and business communities. And basically what we're selling is I went on to monday.com and I spent a year and a half building all of the workflow automations to figure out who is responsible for what at what time and what deadline everything is done and who needs to be notified about the current status of any given pieces of content. It was a labor of love for the last year and a half building out this infrastructure so I could host the MarTech podcast and the Voices of Search podcast. And I kind of did it sort of out of intuition. You're more thoughtful about this stuff. So talk to me about what are some of the tips here for building out those workflow optimizations, content automations. Like, you know, what are you doing and what's your process? Yeah. So it all came very intuitively. It's been for me, it's always been the last, it's been like the last three years that I've been really honing in on this. But as I go to codify this a little bit more, the first step is always breaking down what those steps are. So I think about this in four places, right? We've got the steps that something is, right? What needs to be done, the tasks, which is basically who's doing it, right? And who are those steps being assigned to, the process, which is how it all kind of works together. And then the overall system, which is how that fits into the larger picture. Now, there was a study done by a Polish company called Prasowski. And what they found was that a good majority of the companies that they had surveyed weren't documenting their process, right? It was like 4% had they were documenting the process, they had it measured, managed, and really getting the gold star on knowing how everything was working together. So the first step I always recommend with anybody is document those processes, right? Just what is the step-by-step? How do you make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, right? It's, you know, first you take the bread out of the bag, then you, the knife, like really break it down into those individual components and then start to look at what those dependencies are to get those steps done. And often what we find is where those breakdowns happen Right? Where are those people coming in and completely dependent on those people? And then where are these things that can be automated along the way? And I think that's really important because there's other research out there that's found that a lot of people's processes are inherited from people who they don't even know. They weren't even there beforehand. And there are all these legacy systems in place. And what happens is all of these systems are ending, ending up being built in silos within organizations. And really, if you take the time to break down those steps, you can then rebuild the system in a way that is completely automated or at least semi-automated. You know, you're talking about a process that's similar to what we do. And I I consider myself to be a little bit of an expert in this area just because of the nature of having to produce so much content for the, the podcast. But here's the thing is like, I actually think that you're missing a stage. Okay. And I don't mean to, you're, you're the expert here, but 
there's the doing portion. Right. Right. Documentation is incredibly important. And often, I think companies sit down and they try to document a process that they don't know how to execute. You mentioned, hey, peanut butter jelly sandwich, first step, get the knife. You got to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich first before you know how to make a peanut butter. Or do at least do your research, do your homework. And so to me, you know, as we built our workflow automation, honestly, a lot of what was happening was looking internally at what we're already doing and then figuring out what are the repetitive tasks and then documenting it. So like, I don't mean to sort of push back on you, but it's like, no, 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 no. If you're thinking about workflow automation, you can't sit down without having gone to the grocery store to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You got to go figure out how to make it first. Right. And then once you're doing it, once you've done it, do something that doesn't scale, document it and figure out how to make it scale. See, that's the part I, I left out. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. You have to go through and do it and have that level of awareness as you're doing it of like, what do I hate in this whole thing? Like, what is happening throughout these steps that is completely redundant? And I'm doing this time and time and time again. So, yeah, absolutely. I just didn't go to the store to buy the bread. There you go. So, you go to the store to buy the bread, figure out how to make the peanut butter and jelly sandwich, write down the steps that you did. Then, what do you do? And then you look at those breakdown points, right? You start to look at these steps in between. Now, when I look at it, you've got the steps and then you've got the tasks. So if your very simple example here, I've actually just got this written out, right? If I'm going to create a piece of content, I might be doing keyword research ahead of time and then manually exporting that keyword research to a Google Sheet. And then I can make a copy of my SEO outline that I put in there. And then I copy and paste the keyword information into that. And then I might write an outline. And as you're going through these steps, I'm now looking at the in-betweens of the steps and saying, who's doing that? And can that be something that is automated? Is that something that has to be done by a person? Or is this something that potentially can be taken out of the process right, or taken out of human hands? Because when you start to look at this particular set of actions, If your person takes a day off, if they're sick, or if they switch jobs, now you've got a whole nother person to go through and do these tasks and they might not do it the same. So looking at those kind of in between the steps and who's doing that is that next part of that process. Time for a one minute break to hear from our sponsor, Previsible. So you're looking for SEO help and you got a couple of options. You could start replying to spam from agencies that claim they can get you to rank number one on Google. You can pay an hourly rate for a consultant who will inevitably nickel and dime you with hourly charges. Or you can work with a cookie-cutter agency to quickly launch a strategy-less project with low success rate. None of those sound very good, now do they? Well, that's where Previsible's integrated consulting model comes in. Previsible draws from a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to unlock your organic growth opportunities. They build custom solutions that combine strategy, technical expertise, content, and reporting to effectively operationalize SEO for your business. Previsible's four-stage approach ensures that your SEO programs thrive by starting off with a strategy-first approach. Then they support you in your efforts to create quality content, help you identify technical issues, and most importantly, they'll work with your cross-functional teams to integrate your SEO strategies to make sure that your SEO budget actually drives results, not just your agency's bottom line. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, Square, all who rely on the SEO consultants at Previsible. 
For more information, go to previsible.io. That's previsible, P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. That's an interesting topic, which is how do you figure out what you should be using technology to use to optimize your workflow, and in this case, content production, and where should you be relying on people and service providers to do it for you? So we'll go back to that example of doing the keyword research, right? A human obviously has to do that. But if you're using a tool like Airtable, you can insert that keyword research into there when it's done and then have that based or have that ready to go when you go to put this stuff into production, right? Instead of going, let's put this into a Google Doc and then use that Google Doc to build the outline. Now you're going, okay, we can take a step out of that process, right? The human can do that first part, but then that second part can be semi-automated. And then when it comes to creating a document or a template, that can be automated if you're looking at the technology and figuring how that would work. Because that's one of those things where it's finite. You do it every time. You set up an automation that says, when I create a record in Airtable, this is, I mean, Airtable is my tool of choice, but when I create a record in Airtable, then it creates a copy of the Google Doc and it has all of that information already in there every single time. I love what you're talking about in the sense of relying on a system to not only do some of the sort of, I don't know, not necessarily content processing, but document sharing, right? It's sort of a central hub, a platform that you could use to not only assign responsibilities, but also reformat some of the content in the way that you want it so it's usable at the next step of the phase. When you think about using things like templates and platforms, how do you figure out what template you need to create? What are the formats? And and how do you make sure that that matches with whatever platform you're using? That's a great question. So a lot of that goes back to what people are already doing, right? In different scenarios, I've worked with different companies And they have a template that they already use. They just copy and paste that over every single time. And when I'm looking at this sort of that part of the process, right, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel for what people are using, right, how they're doing it. I'm trying to reinvent how that part gets done. I don't know if that makes sense. For sure, I get what you're saying. And I I think the key point here is the platform and the templates, right? You have to make them used in a way that make people feel comfortable. They are not meant to be a replacement for the people. It's that they're meant to expedite the people's work or limit their workload. Right. Exactly. And I want to take what's already working for somebody and help them get to that part faster, right? Now, when I switch sides of the consultancy... If there is no template in place, right? If there's something that they're currently not doing that could be templatized, then we start to dig into that part of it and how do we build out a system that works for that, right? So, say there is no SEO outline type thing. I'm personally not an outliner, but there are plenty of people who do and they want to get there, but they don't know how. So, that we work on that part in the consultancy and then start to build that into the system overall. So the idea too, and this comes with any tools or technology adoption, there's plenty of research behind this. People are always going to be resistant to change, even if that change is 
better for what they do. And take this out of SEO and everything right now. My wife likes to go a certain way to the grocery store. It's not the optimal way to go to the grocery store. I know the optimal route. That's her way. That's her route. It does not matter how many times I say, my route is better. That's what she knows. That's what she wants to do. Okay. But there are certain things in that part of the process then that we might be able to optimize. right? And that's really what we're trying to do is how do we keep what you like and get rid of the things that make it so you can't get to that part faster? Allow me to defend your wife for a second. (laughs) Please. What's Mrs. Walker's name? Megan. Megan. Megan, if you listen to this podcast, we know you put up with a lot. Thank you for all your hard work. And you can go to the grocery store however you want to go. I think that I'm I'm obviously kidding here. Other than Megan, go to the grocery store. Doesn't matter however you get there. The idea that people are resistant to change You know, I get some people are stuck in their ways, but people also have pain points in their existing job, right? No one likes doing the manual processes over and over again. Megan might want to go the way that she goes because she doesn't want to take the highway because she thinks highway driving is stressful. So she takes the back road. She's not optimizing for speed. She's optimizing for comfort. Or just because the route that she goes is so familiar, she can tune out and gets an extra minute to listen to her favorite SEO podcast, The Voices of Search. Maybe she just wants to hear more about content marketing. Who knows what her rationale is, but I'm sure that there is a pain point within the process that if you found a solution for her, it would help her. So, hey, look, you can go to the grocery store the way you're going, but if you're in a time crunch, you can take the freeway, right? So from eight to five, go one way and from nine to six, go the other, whatever, I'm making up rules here. Moral of the story is if when you're thinking about automation, workflow optimization, if you understand what people's pain points are and you present what your workflow optimization is, what your automation is as a solution to that pain point, generally they are very receptive to adopting your technology. If you take route X, you will be there three minutes faster and then you won't get stuck in the checkout line because the problem is getting stuck in the checkout line. I don't mean to tell you about your business and and, and tell you about how to manage your relationship with your wife or get into the <laughs> middle because God knows that is a <laughs> sacred thing arguing with your wife about how to get to the grocery store. And can never be optimized. No, there's no winning that fight. Trust me. Right. <laughs> and not one that you should pick. No. I think the point that I'm trying to make here is automation should be solving for pain points for your workforce, even if it's not necessarily the expedited way to handle something. Hey, we're going to redo everything. We're going to rip out all the old infrastructure. We're going to do the new. That's a recipe for pissed off people. Right. And it goes back to that. So when I'm talking about what that process is, right, I'm starting with putting the peanut butter on the bread instead of going, okay, let's walk through. Like that's part of the audit initially. Let's walk through the pain points. Then you show me the steps. Then we start to map the rest of it out, right? Because everybody has those pain points. And then it's what do you hate? What do you want to keep? Right? What are the absolute non negotiables? of what it is that you want to keep in this process. I'll give you an example of something that's ridiculous, but I keep doing. At the end of every podcast while we're recording this, and this is a content optimization topic as well, I read the full outro for every podcast. Uh, you know, 
everything from that wraps up this episode of the Voices of Search podcast, dot, 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 all the way down to our tagline. The answers are always in the data. And it's a two-minute monologue, and I read it every single time I do an interview. But we have the ability to dynamically insert that content, and it never really changes that much in our podcast. But you know why I keep reading it, even though it's not the most efficient thing, because I want the guests to actually hear how the podcast is going to sound. You'll hear this in a minute when we get to the outro. There are some times where repeating a process when it's not efficient can be useful because sometimes people just want to own part of the process because it makes them feel comfortable. Exactly. How do you think about building in automation, efficiencies, and workflows, but also understanding where people's sort of sacred cows are? That's part of the audit process, right? That's just saying, hey, let's break down the podcast step by step. Right. I noticed that you did the read in the beginning. I noticed we're doing this conversation now. You say you're going to do the read at the end. If those are non-negotiables, then those are sacred. Right. Because if I were to optimize the process, I could say, hey, why not do your intro and pre-record your intro and your outro? Then you just have the stuff in the middle. You don't even have to do a raw edit, right? Because you know, we've got Serge doing the edits on this. Let's just get the thing done and get it out there. But if there are sacred points where it's like, I'm going to do this every time because it's going to ring inauthentic if I don't, cool. We don't touch that part, right? But we can look at what's happening at the beginning, the pregame, and then what's happening at the end of like, okay, well, if these parts are non-negotiable, how can we get this pushed out to social faster? How can we get this stuff to surge faster? How can we do all of these other steps, right? You've got... I imagine you have an automation when you have an intake for a guest that shows you that that you've got that there, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I, the last question, I, I guess I want to go into a little bit of detail. You know, I think about our content just off the top of my head, our content optimization workflow. Somebody goes onto our website, they fill out an application. It gets sent to us and once a week, we look at the applications and we decide who are going to be our guests. That's how we got connected. You went onto the voicesofsearch.com website, filled out an application. And we look at not only the content you're want to producing. We're not only looking at the topic that you want to discuss. We're looking at where you work, who you are, how big your social following is. We decide who our guests are based on that once a week. When I approve an application, a member of my team sends out the emails that go to the guest. They then get a link to schedule the interview. The interview hops on my calendar. We record the interview. I upload the files. I mark it as something my editor is responsible for. When he's done editing, he gives it to the writer who listens to the edited files and summarizes and writes our show notes and quotes. They give it to our content publisher who then schedules all the content to be published, who then flags that the content has been published, which goes to the social media team. And in parallel, it's going to the communications team telling them to coordinate with the guest every step of the way. I don't know, that took me a minute to define. It took me a year to produce. When you think about doing content optimization and workflow optimization for content specifically at scale, how long should companies think about building in processes like these and sort of what's the nature, staffing, time constraints? How hard is it to automate your content workflows? It can be difficult. I mean, it depends on the scale of the company, right? It took me probably with a recent client that I have, it probably took me a month and a half to map just the different teams and the dependencies that they have in their overall process to find those intersection points with those teams and where communication breaks down and how that works. Now, the, the team size that you just described, it's a fairly small team. So 
it can take a little while, but it's not going to take as long as, say, working with 45 people in three or four different content silos. So it's really going to depend on as you're going through that audit and looking at all the different steps from everybody, figuring out, first of all, mapping the internal networks of the company, right? I can't tell you how many people I started with one person and then ended up thinking of each person as a node within the rest of that org and finding out just how far out that goes within that ecosystem and then kind of breaking the rest of that down. So it really depends on the size of the team. But I would say if you're working within a larger organization, which I frequently do, at least give a month to go through everything to just learn the network, the internal networks and how information is even exchanged. Moral of the story here is content optimization and optimizing your workflow is not something you could sit down, write rules about and have implemented overnight. There's a process for understanding what the existing workflows are, figuring out how you can modify them without sacrificing the sacred cows. There is educating the team on how the workflows work, about what tools you're using. It takes time and effort to optimize your workflow. So it's something that you can start with today, but don't expect immediate results. Something that takes time, months, years, and iteration to achieve. And that wraps up this episode of the Voices of Search podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Tommy Walker, founder of The Content Studio. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Tommy and I are going to discuss his content tips as the former global editor-in-chief at QuickBooks. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Tommy, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter where his handle is Tommy is my name, or you could visit his company's website, which is thecontentstudio.com. And a special thanks to Previsible for sponsoring this podcast. If you're looking for support with all of your SEO needs, Previsible's integrated consulting model is there for you. They draw on a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to help you unlock your organic search and growth opportunities. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, and Square, all who rely on SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. And a special thanks to Ahrefs for sponsoring this podcast. Monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools, but that's not the case anymore thanks to Ahrefs because they just launched their Ahrefs Webmaster Tools product, which monitors your SEO health, helps you keep track of your backlinks, and gives you the insight into what keywords are performing for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's Ahrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, just head over to voicesofsearch.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also send us your topic suggestions or your SEO questions, and you can even apply to be a guest speaker on the Voices of Search podcast. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is Voices of Search on Twitter, and my personal handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of SEO and content marketing insights in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app, and we'll be back in your feed in the next business day. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, remember, the answers are always in the data. 